This episode of the Chai Lounge has been sponsored by Masjid Cube. Masjid Cube is a compact live streaming device that brings the azan and lectures from your local masjid live into your home. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Chai Lounge. I'm your host Safira Kaka and today I'm sipping on some soothing conversation with Nafisa Gray. Assalamu alaikum Nafisa and welcome to my podcast. Wa alaikum assalam. It's such an honor to be here. The last time I sat across the mic with you was feels like a decade ago. It really does. Wow. And can I tell you one still an interview that always stands out for me. So I'm so glad you're here to join me on episode 2. And uh, the last time we spoke it was January 2020. We spoke a lot about vision boards. Yeah. So I want to know what's on your vision board for 2024. <laughs> Like I mentioned last time my vision board is broken up into quadrants. Yes. So it's got my work goals which basically charts what I expect from the business in the year, mm-hmm. what I expect for myself in the year. And then there's the more personal side which is what I expect for myself as an individual, uh, my family, my friends, uh, my health. And this year, I think last year was a turning point for me. You know for the first time ever I gave up me time last really? year and you know I'm very big on that mm-hmm. you know it helps into me it helps me be motivated and for some reason I just like drove myself endlessly last year mm-hmm. and I saw the results at the end of December so that plays a huge part on my vision board in all aspects um to be more mindful of it you know I used to cancel my training sessions which is very very unlike, unlike me so to be more consistent with it because it makes me happy mm-hmm. to make more time for myself you know be mindful of my own space and to make time for family and that extends to my siblings to spend quality that's a hard one it's yeah. easy to say but it's hard to do you know I know it sounds difficult but on my side I found that over the years we've built it really so it means like daily contact mm. which well 2024 I seem to be doing that so it's been good so far and um to spend more time with my kids you know the spending time and the spending time so you know to really be in that moment with them which I found last year to be hard while I spent time with them my mind was all over the place okay. so to give them me fully. Yeah. Is there any quadrant that you're going to hyper focus on for this year? I think everything for me matters. So, you know, it's the religious side, my yeah. spirituality which always forms part of my vision board and I find that every part of it fits into making me materialize what I want on my vision board. So the moment I drop one of them, they're a fundamental part of me being able to achieve it. So I can't really put either one. Mm. I think all of them together. always play a role. What's the personal motto for this year? Opportunities don't just happen. You've got to create them. And the reason why it's my personal motto for this year is because it's held it holds through for everything. Mm. If you want to have extra time with your family, you've got to create an opportunity. If you want to achieve uh, a business goal, you've got to make it physically happen. You've got to put energy towards it. If you want to focus on your health, which I let go last year off, I've got to be more mindful of how I eat, how much I sleep, and how much time I give myself to actually rest. Mm. So I've got to create all of those opportunities. So that's my motto for this year. I love that because Tuesday's open line discussion, I, I was chatting to our listeners and I was saying, you know, there's a lot of criticism of people who overachieve on social media. 
And we take it upon ourselves to feel like we've got a say on how people live their lives, which we don't. And a lot of it stems from the fact that you view people's achievements through your own limitations. Yeah. And you feel like, I don't create opportunities for myself. How dare she create opportunities for herself? And I think it's a powerful mindset shift. If you want to dedicate your time to something, you need to make decisions and you need to structure your day in your life in a way that will allow you to achieve that particular goal. 100%. And, you know, you not everyone is born high-functioning. Yes. Um, we create the opportunities in our 24 hours to be able to be high-functioning. So I would say that's me. I have to be very diligent about how I spend the hours in my day, and that allows me to be a high-functioning individual. So it's not that I just woke up one day and I was born with those genetics, you know. And it's, if you if you if you're not born with it, you you definitely are able to create it, just like how I have, like anyone else can. And it's also about accountability, mm-hmm. and this is where mentorship comes in. Yeah. I know you're big on men- mentorship. What does it mean to you personally, and also being a mentor for others out there? What does that mean to you? Well, you know, I always say like when I started, I didn't have someone to guide me. So mm-hmm. everything was learned through trial and error. You know, I started off with the same mindset like, oh, I don't have the time, you know, um, the day is so short. But when I actually, you know, become became more mindful of the time and how I wasted it, then I realized that I can actually achieve what I want in a day. And I generally find that, you know, in mentorship, everyone comes to me with the same, yes. the same thing. Like, I don't have the time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I want to do it, but I can't find the time to do it. And then when you actually break it down to them, they realize it's actually possible. Mm-hmm. So for me, mentorship is something that's, it's, it's, it's a very close part of me. Um, it allows me to give back. And one of the reasons I do it is because I honestly believe that if you can do it for someone else, you create the opportunity for them to do it for someone else. And I have yet to see those that I've mentored not do that for another individual. It's mm-hmm. the most beautiful gift you can give. It just keeps on giving. I just give and then someone gives. And inshallah, I mean, I'm earning blessings of each step that somebody is taking. It's almost like in a that pro- yeah. yeah. And I think it also boils down to mindset shift. In order for you to become a mentor, and I'm saying this from personal experience, you've had to experience challenges and difficulties and then your mindset shifted and you need to teach others or at least encourage them to say, it's all about mindset. It's all about how you set your mind towards doing something and succeeding at your goals. Yeah, and I think, you know, in mentorship, um, each person as a mentor is different. When I work with someone, I always find that when they realize that nothing was an easy road, mm-hmm. um, they realize what possible actually is for them. Because, you know, there's this common perception and it's it's always on social media. Yeah. And sometimes it's a perception that someone creates by just seeing you and seeing you visually mm-hmm. and making an assumption that everything just comes to you without realizing that uh, we all go through problems. Yes. You know, every part of Stuff our lives, you know, every quadrant, yes. you know, with our kids, it just comes in different areas. And when someone realizes through mentorship that... You know, you're not struggling alone. Mm. We just look at how to handle it. We try and take a step back, process it, and then approach it with care. Mm. And if you do that, it, it just allows you to handle, you know, challenges 
in a more structured manner. You don't get overwhelmed with them. And that is something you can easily learn from a mentor with effort and with action. What is a turning point for you? You, you, I know if you have to go into your social media pages, you won't see the struggle, but you are candid enough about it to say there's been challenges in business. There's been challenges that paved your way. Nothing is as it seems. And you're real about that aspect of it. And it's the time of the year where I think a lot of people are struggling, you know, in different aspects. I see it from my show. I see it from ladies who reach out to me. What would you say to people that are being challenged in any way and you go onto social media and think, oh my God, she's got her life together. I want to be her. I wish I was her. And you feeling like, I can't do this. How are they doing it? I, I'm stuck. I'm in a rut. I'm in a place where I don't think I'll ever be somebody. I won't be able to achieve my goals. How do you bring somebody out of that rut? Well, it's hard question. from a social media perspective because the reality is, Safira, we don't all share every part of our lives on social media. I try my best to share parts of my challenges. Obviously, I, I don't want to be someone who shares my whole life on social mm. media, but I do my best and I've done my best over the years to try and share with people that, you know, life was not handed over. You mm. know, nothing just was came with a silver spoon to me um, in every part of my life. And I've had to work through a lot to get to where I am. And I know I'm going to have to work through a lot to get to where I want to be. And every year brings on a new challenge for me. Um, and, you know, it's easy to perceive and look down on yourself as a human being to say, well, you know what, I'm just dealt with a bad card in life. Um, we all We all have. You know, I think my turning point, if I had to just put it on... One aspect was hurt. Um, I've been hurt in so many ways, so many times in my life. From the time I was a kid, um, to the time I was a teenager, to the time I was, um, in my twenties, um, to my thirties, you know, it, even till to date, I have moments when I'm, when I'm deeply hurt, like deeply hurt where you physically feel a pain. And you've got to somehow wake up the next morning and approach all the other things that await you in life, like being a mom, um, being a leader and having all these people looking up to you and looking at you for direction um, and just being responsible for me. And I have to not let that go. Um, I've been hurt in business. Um, I've been hurt in friendship. And you can get hurt in business, by the yes. way. Uh, you, you learn lessons through being gullible mm -hmm. by trusting. Um, it makes you wiser. It makes you put contracts in place. It makes you look clinically at things. So the way that all of us want to live. Of but course. sadly, that's how we become. Yeah. Um, I've been hurt in friendship when you've been let down, when you give too much of yourself and get back too little. I've been hurt in family. So, you know what? Life is not rosy. I always say that, you know what? If we were on this earth to live heaven, then we certainly will be living heaven. But we're here to face challenges, um, to be strong, to hold faith, and to earn that heaven later on. So don't look down on yourself. Uh, a lot of us, you don't see us waking ourselves up in the morning after, you know, maybe crying the whole night. Yeah. Um, uh, putting on our face and wearing a suit. Yeah. And running a business and looking like we're champions. You don't know what we woke up from. Yeah. Um, so, 
you know, you need to stop looking at others and looking down on your life and start taking accountability for your own space. Because I always say the grass is never greener never. on the other side. And the longer you look there, the more your side rots. And then, you know, again, it's all about mindset. Yeah. It's how you're viewing these challenges, these difficulties, these hurts, and what the lesson is from them. For you, the biggest lessons from painful moments, what, what, what have you gained insight into yourself or maybe others from those, those difficult times? I've learned not to retaliate. Um, because I always believe that when you give what you're getting in situations of hurt, you lower yourself down to that level and you never look back at yourself with pride. Let me tell you. I mean, mm. we've all yes. done it at yes. some point in our lives. Tell me if anyone look back and say... And we we oh, ruminate on yeah. it in the shower. And we're like, <laughs> no, that was not a good idea. Yeah. You know, so I've learned from that to take a step back when I'm, when I'm experiencing that moment and allow it to roll over me. Give myself 24 hours, give myself 48 hours. It's not easy, but I find, but when the time passes, I handle things more maturely and I handle it in a way that makes me very very proud um I forgot the other question like or the lessons from from difficult yeah so painful experiences. it's that and then it's also to persevere to be patient with myself um sometimes we expect like sometimes I give myself 24 hours and I'm still feeling this way the next day and I'm like, I learned to be patient with myself. Maybe this time it's going to take a bit longer. I've learned to grow gratitude every year. I don't think we can ever be grateful enough. Never. You know, every year I realize like how blessed we are, how blessed I am, whether it comes to like Palestine or, you know, what people are going through and the amount of pain there is in this world. When I go home to my home i realize whatever i'm dealing with my kids are safe i food on my table you know there's a roof on my head i can pray in my room in peace there's so many things to be grateful for so i think i've learned to be grateful to hold on to gratitude and to realize that i can never ever be more grateful do you ever regret painful moments or difficult difficult lessons and like anyone else, I do question myself in that moment, like, why me? Yeah. It's a natural reaction. Of course. Um, especially when you're going through something very painful, especially grief. Yeah. Um, but in hindsight, as time passes on, I've learned that I don't regret it. It makes me a stronger person. If I look at any moment in my life where... I faced hurt, whether it's been in business, whether it's been in family, whether it's been in my relationships, whether it's been as a mom, mm. you know, kids can hurt yeah. you. So of course, um, <laughs> Especially these teenagers, they're savage, <laughs> very savage. Um, I've learned that it's made me a better person. And if I come out better, how can I hate that moment? How can I hate that experience? And I try and remind myself that, you know, our creative challenges us for a reason. Mm. And sometimes we may not see it in that moment, but in later on we realize, wow, you know what? I, I learned something from it. I got something from it. I came out a better person. So maybe that was what he was gifting me. 
you've been grappling also with grief and you gave us a few insights into it. Um, what were the lessons from such severe loss? I know I asked you for a manual, like what do you expect to lo- when, you, when it comes to losing a parent? But what were the lessons from those difficult losses that you experienced? Look, um, firstly, I want to say that, you know, sharing my journey of grief and being very open about it on social media, you know, has rewarded me in a way because I've been rewarded um, by the DMs that I received from people who I still get till today when they unfortunately experience the same thing, when they mm-hmm. lose a parent, they lose a sibling, and they come back to me and they say, like, I'm, I'm in this position here, but, you know, I'm feeling hope because I understand that you're very honest and you said it, you never get over it. Yeah. And the truth is I still haven't got over it. Um, I'm, I'm in a better space, um, but there are moments. There definitely are moments. It comes, you know, at the most inopportune time. Maybe it comes once a year. It comes twice a year. I can't control it. Um, it's something that will trigger it. Maybe it will be... And it's crazy, right? You know, I'll see someone with their mom or their dad and I'll feel nothing. You know, maybe I'll feel, oh, you know, I miss my parents, but that would be it. Yeah. It would be something like, you know, like some small thing someone is doing for their parent. And it triggers the fact that I don't have minds to do that for any longer. Um, and then I feel like I've lost them all over again. And at the moment I let myself cry, I let myself feel it. And that was the biggest thing I learned is that, you know, the mistake I made when my dad passed away was that I held it inside. And I think I thought that I needed to be the strong one for everyone and that I didn't deserve to cry. Um, so I grieved him very badly. When it hit me, it hit me really, really yeah. hard. With my mom, I still was a strong one. I still did everything that I needed to do, but I allowed myself to cry. And I still allow myself to cry and I allow myself to break down and I'm not ashamed of it. I don't think that, you know, um, you should be ashamed of it. People have this perception, especially with me, that, you know, I'm like the superhero woman. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't have feelings. I don't have emotions. I'm like cement. You know, but really I'm not. <laughs> like, I can have a proper sob like anyone else. And when I miss my mom, I have that sob. Um, I've learned to, to accept his will. And that's what this grief has taught me. Um, it was a reason for them. And it was a right time for them. It was written for them. And I can see why it was the right time for them. Um, and if it was the right time for them, I'm happy. I can't be selfish. Um, it won't stop me missing them, um, but it's learned me to love and appreciate the reason behind it. And I've learned to be very grateful, very, very grateful for the time that I've had with him mm. and the time that I've had with my mom. Um, you know, my daughter lost her dad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I even think that I'm very grateful for the time that she had with him. Mm. It was the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no amount, set amount of time that will ever be right for anyone. But there's a set amount of time that's written for us to spend with someone that we love. And it's made me very conscious of my own time. I think that's one of, that's the, a scary part. Yeah, one of the biggest things that I've taken away from losing my parents is that it's brought forward... Um, like how short my life could be. And I'm more aware of that. I mean, it's not like I wasn't thinking of it, mm. 
but losing them like shifted that mindset. So I think I'm very aware of it every day. I think tell you that I think about it every day in everything that I do. Sometimes it'll cross my mind and say, I need to do this right because today could be my last moment. No enough said, don't do that. It's wrong because today you may pass away. And is that how, what you would want to be remembered for? So I'm very conscious of that. And I think maybe that was the gift that he gave me when he took something away. Beautiful way of, of looking at it and reflecting on it. What's what's the role of faith in your life? It's big, as you can see yes. and hear from everything that I'm saying. Um, and think, connection to Allah. Yeah, I think it's grown over the years. Um, for me, definitely. You know, some people like you know it happens from the first day. Um, you can be brought up in a religious home, go to religious school. Um, learn everything i was that person started from time like came out of my mom's womb <laughs> um but i think for me faith became something that grew with me more over the last maybe for maybe 10 i can say 10 to 12 years really? it started mushrooming and you know i think there's a lot more that I need to develop about myself. I definitely don't feel that I'm anywhere near what I want myself to be. We all on a journey. Yeah. We all on a journey. And towards. I think I always will be on the journey. Yeah. There are many changes I want to make about myself, but I think inside me, um, a part of me is very proud of how far I've come. Um, my faith carries me in everything, my decisions, um, how I approach things, um, my decisions in business. You know, we always approached with like, you know, CD opportunities mm. and, you know, sometimes they're very tempting and your faith is what makes you walk away because it's the wrong thing. Um, my faith is what makes me like think about others before I think about myself. Sometimes it's very hard. Let me tell you, in business, it's very hard. Really? Yeah, you know, my staff knows me. They're always coming with me or leave and like something and I'm just like, oh, not now. And then I'm like, I remind myself like, you know, life is not all about you. And what you need to get done, it's about them also. Um, so I think my faith has uh, played a huge part in that. It's made me look at motherhood differently. In what way? Um, how I want to be a role model for my kids. So I'm more conscious of the decisions I make because I know they're watching me. More so my teen. She's at a very impressionable age. They think, observe everything, yeah. these teens. So I need to be somebody who she at least learns a few actions from that she's going to carry with her later on. Whatever else she develops along the way, but hopefully the good ones for me come along. And obviously my son, very impressionable age also. So I need to lead correctly. So my faith plays a role in that. Um, and then just my thoughts. Like any human being, we, you know, we... Sometimes are drawn to horrible thoughts. Yes. You know, it's natural. Mm. You know, it's natural to the first thought you want to judge mm. or you want to get in, you yeah. want to listen to something that's yeah. not right. Uh, my faith is what reminds me, no, it's wrong. And I pull myself away from it. So it's something I have to be conscious about every day because it's so easy to lapse. Um, it so it, I have to remind myself on a constant daily basis that, you know, I need to be aware of me my actions, my words, what I listen to. And I've made some changes. I don't want to speak about and them. It, it's, because, oh, like, it's, a, it's an ebb and flow. It's an yeah. ebb and flow. You actually talking about putting prayer even on your vision board. Yeah. Because if, to you, prayer is everything. Salah is everything. It's a very big part of your life. And it's been life-changing, including that. 
is part of a vision, is part of a goal, um, improving from one year to the next. We're not perfect in the way we do it, but it's a part of, of the process. It's yeah. part of setting a, a tangible goal for oneself. 100%. It's why I said spirituality is on my, my vision board. Because if I don't put it on, I may lapse. So every year it's on my vision board. Now, so you need to read all your prayers. Mm-hmm. So I know, like, you know, I may have achieved, like, you know, a great run last year, but this year I must not let it go because it's so easy to let it go. It um, so if I'm conscious of it and it's, it's a goal and I hold myself accountable to it, then I'll always be mindful of it. Also being on social media and choosing to share so much and I alluded to this in a previous question where people automatically think they have an assumption on you and your life and they can judge you and they can judge your decisions and they can judge your choices. And as thick skinned as we can be, sometimes that judgment does get to you. How do you cope with that? That, you know, people assuming things about you, people judging you, passing judgment on the decisions you make. How do you separate yourself from that? How do you deal with that? Hmm. Maybe I can say comfortably at this moment, I don't deal with it and I don't cope with it because what's to cope with and what's to deal with. Um, I have had to cope and deal with it at a young age. Um, you know, I'm sure everyone gets bullied for different things. Mm-hmm. I've got a long list of what I've been bullied for. Long, it's a very long <laughs> list. You know, from yeah. my hair to my weight at different times, you know, I've been called all ugly names. Um, I've been bullied for the color of my skin, you know, my category of like wealth at some point in my life growing up, what I, what I wore, going to school with Mr. Price clothing, you know, <sighs> then like, you know, being divorced and a single mom. Oh my word. It's like I have dealt with it all so I just reached a point because it did hurt me Mm. and you know I used to hate myself when I was young I hated everything about me I hated how I looked I hated my hair I hated my skin and I want to tell you something (laughs) tell me so when I was young right one of the uh, one of the things that I used to get bullied about was my skin color. Okay. It's never white enough. And, you know, apparently, like, if you fear, like, everything is just, you're beautiful. So I was ugly. And it hurt me. You know, I used to feel so ugly about me. I used to question, like, why do I look like this? And I remember once my dad, we went on holiday and I went to a country where skin whitening was a big thing. And I, I was like not even, I must have been 11 years old. Oh my God. So I took some of the spending money he gave me and I went to a store and I bought myself a skin lightening cream. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know. God, I can't believe I'm sharing with this with you on this podcast. So I put it on my skin and I kept on wearing it like, you know, during the holiday. Let me tell you, Safira, I... Firstly, turned browner than what I was. And I burnt my skin. Oh, my God. And, you know, my parents asked me, Nafisa, what is going on with your skin? Why is it looking like this? Why do you have all these scabs on your skin? And I had to come clean with them and say, you know, at this you know, I got the shouting of my life from my dad. Can you imagine? He was much more browner than me. And he made me sit back and he says, like, Why? You know, if you think you're ugly, what am I? You know, 
they gave me a long talking, you know, too about it. And it obviously didn't change my mindset overnight. Mm, mm. Uh, I just felt bad because I, I damaged my skin further. So technically, I was feeling very ugly about myself. I just learned to stop trying. And then over time, I learned to love me and love how I was created because I was, I was created special. I'm an individual. Mm-hmm. Every one of us are created as an individual and we're beautiful in our own ways. Of course. And who is anyone to tell you otherwise? So, you know, I've, I've learned to just let it go. And the day I let it go, I stopped hating me and I was able to do for me because I wasn't doing for me at all. You know, because when you overwhelm yourself with hate and mm-hmm. negativity and sadness and you're coping with all of those things, that you are opening yourself up to. You close yourself up to everything else. Yeah. And you can't see anything else. Yeah. And that's what I did to myself. So I held myself back for a good few years. To why one of the re- just one of the reasons why I did badly at school. I just felt so useless and worthless. Nothing seemed possible for me. I was going to make nothing of myself. Not going to get anywhere. And look, when the moment I let it go, I started to flourish the goals that I wanted to achieve, I started to achieve. The mm-hmm. paths that I wanted to journey down, I was able to journey down them. You know, with all the challenges, I set myself goals and I w- I'm proud that I achieved them. And I've learned that I don't need to cope with it. I don't need to cope with someone who's got absolutely nothing in their life to do. Then speculate. Sit, yeah, and speculate about another person's life. Exactly. Um, because I don't want to be that person. So if you want to waste your very precious time, so be it. I'm not going to stop you and I'm not going to address it. I've sat in so many forums, even to, like in the last few years as a businesswoman, you know, in these social forums, mm. um, you know, tea parties. Yeah. And I've heard someone say, oh, you know what this person says about you? And I just like, whatever. You know, it's my new motto. What others say about me is not my business. What they say about me, what they think about me, what they speak about me, what they gossip about me, it is not my business. What I think about myself, what I say to myself in the mirror, what I think about myself, that is my business. Exactly. How are you supposed to focus? Okay, let me talk about myself. How am I supposed to focus on the fact that I had to deal with grief? Yes. If I'm so worried about what you're saying about me, how am I supposed to deal with being there for my kids when they are going through their own problems and their own challenges that they are dealing with. If I'm so worried about what you're challenging me with, how am I supposed to run a business and be a leader where people look up to me when I'm looking down at myself because you are making me look down at myself? You know, like a while ago, so many years ago, it was just after I got my MBA and I was trying to motivate people on social media that... Mm -hmm. It was not to go and get an MBA. It yes. was to, it was to go and reach your dream. If you have something you want to achieve, don't let anything stop you. I mean, I only, I signed up into the MBA program in my mid twenties. That was very young, very young to be going into a business program. Wow. Um, you know, a lot of my friends were in their like mid thirties, you know, and everyone was be like, Oh, how did you get in here? How did you get in here? But it was, perseverance and determination and while I was sharing it somebody took the initiative out of their day to send an anonymous letter to me so well written telling me a letter a whole letter yes can you believe it they had they literally 
took time and they even closed it and had it delivered to say that I don't have an MBA and I must stop lying to people and um, I must come clean with the fact that I don't have it. And I sat there and I was so angry at that moment. I said, you know, tomorrow morning I'm going to go to my office and I'm going to literally take my certificate and post it on it. <laughs> and you know, after I slept the next morning, I asked myself, Nafisa, what is wrong with you? Yeah. If anyone out there feels that way, let them feel that way. Why do I need to lower myself down to their level and prove it? So anyone who feels you need to cope and deal with it, ask yourself, why do you need to cope and deal with somebody else's problem? It's their problem. It's not your problem. Another gem that I've learned over the last year, my sister was telling me, because I had this this incident and you know, I was feeling so low and she's like, why, why are you stressing? People will discuss you because you're relevant. The day you are a conversation on people's WhatsApp groups or in their conversations or with their friends, it's because you are relevant. They do not discuss irrelevant people. And it was it was an interesting way of looking at it. Okay, we don't want to be the dis- subject of discussion on a WhatsApp group or in a group of individuals. But no, it's interesting but it, perspective. But it happens. It happens. You know, and you're relevant at that moment. You're relevant. You know? You're trending. You're so, trending. And, you know, the thing is, you know, I always say, even through mentorship, because it always comes back. Yes. Like, you know, someone is dealing with it. We all deal with it at some point in life. It's not like we're special. You know, we have to cope with it. And we can't it. lie Everyone and say does. it doesn't get to us. When people make these assumptions yes. and say these hurtful things, um, you know, I've got a few messages that come through regularly, almost every week. And I can, again, you know, mindset change. It doesn't matter what they think about me. It's what I say, what I think about myself. But it does twinge. It hurts a little bit. Yes, it should. It should. It should because we're human beings. Uh, just don't let it twinge a lot. Give it like one second of pain and be like, I got too many things to deal with on my desk right now. And this is not one of them. And you know, the reality is we can never be liked by everyone. Never. Tell me, show me one person that is liked by the whole world. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks they're amazing. Tell me one person that everyone looks at and thinks they're beautiful. No, someone will say, no, that's she's not actually beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. that's not my type of beauty. You know, you might have black hair. Somebody else thinks that black hair is not beautiful. So if you're not going to be liked by everyone, you got to expect, expect that those, some of those people that don't like you will resort to that kind of behavior. It's life. It's going to happen. I use the, the cake analogy. I was um, giving a talk to ladies and I said, you can go in search of the perfect cake recipe from that guy who makes all those cakes in France. And it can be the most perfect, delicious, wonderful cake with the best ingredients. And you cut it in a group full of ladies. And there's one auntie who's going to say, the cake is not for me. It's a terrible piece of cake. I'm not eating this cake. It's horrible. Or the one that will say, oh, a lovely cake. And then behind your back, she'll be like, I can't believe she bought this cake and served it as homemade. It's That's the exact analogy. It's very simplified and basic. But 100%. you're not for everybody. Cake is not for everybody. Coffee is not for everybody. You're not for everybody. Exactly. Be okay and with that. the day you accept that, you'll find peace. It's liberating. Yeah, very liberating. The big 4-0 kept knocking this year. <laughs> yeah. How was it? Um, I don't know, hey. It was just the big 4-0. Really? You is know, it just a number? You know, it's just a number. And I think like I got excited about it last year mm. because... 
everyone was asking me, oh my God, this is your last year, 39. Like, what are you doing for 40? What? It was all I was hearing about. What are you doing for 40? So I thought to myself, what am I doing for 40? Like, I need to do something big. Yeah. Because it's an expectation, you know. Arriving at an age of 30, it's an expectation of achievement. You need to celebrate it big. When you arrive at 40, you need to celebrate it big. And I think it's a lot of pressure mm, for people. And those that are unable to celebrate it feel that they have not arrived. Who said that? And I think towards the end of the year, I realized that I've never, ever looked at, like, I need, to, when I reach 40, when I reach 30, I need to be married and I need to have so many kids and you know, this would happen. Well, you know what? Like, I realized I got divorced, like, before I reached that year. So, it doesn't happen that way. Nothing happens that way. So, if you look at it like you achievements at this age, you, you literally depress yourself. And since young, I've never looked at age as an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. I've looked at, I'm journeying down this path. I need to achieve the things according to the times I want to set myself. So when I reached 40, towards the end of last year, I was like, started to become more conscious and mindful about how I wanted to spend it. Okay. And I realized that I don't want to do the big bash. I don't want to throw that expected party. Yes. I don't, while it's okay for every anyone that chooses mm. to, and I respect it, and I'll come to your party, and I will celebrate you, but I just didn't want to do it. It was not my choice. Yeah. It was not how I wanted to turn one year older. Um, so I decided to do things that I didn't do for myself last year, that I promised myself in 2024 I was going to do, regardless if I turn 40 was to do things and make time for me and do things that I enjoy and, you know, have fun. Because I, you know, maybe I don't look like a fun person. I look like a stuffy person, but I am you a are lot person. of fun. You are. <laughs> Thank you. You are. And, you know, when I let loose, I'm really, really just relaxed. Yeah. And I'm just, I, I'll do crazy things. Mm. And I wanted to do that. I wanted to do that. So, you know, I told my husband, I said, this is what I want to do. And I want to jump off this mountain. And I went, and he was like, you're crazy. The commentary was amazing. <laughs> I just have to say. I know. I was like, listen, you're either jumping with me or I'm jumping alone. Yeah. So he tried his best to like come with me and he was dying halfway. But I did the things that I wanted to do. You know, I love activities. I love climbing things. I love jumping off things. I love zip lining off like high places. I did all the things I wanted to do. And you know, when I finished that, I don't regret that I didn't have a party. I didn't have a cake. Um, there was no candles. None of it. None of it. None of it. None of it. So, you know, if you're turning any number, Jump 20, about 30, it. do what makes you happy. Yes. You know, when you look back at it or a moment, even mm. if you don't look back at that age and you look back at that moment, no, you make yourself happy. I only look at this age at how close I am to my time. I know this sounds so morose. Oh my God, it's so morbid. No, it does. Yeah, don't hate me for it. But I'm like, that is what it is. I, and I suppose it's because of the life expectancy in yes. my family um, that made me think like that. But obviously our time is written, so maybe I'll live to 90, who knows. Um, but I think because I've lost so many people at such young ages, 
um, and the fact that I've become more conscious of time, that is all I thought about. I just thought that um, I'm now at 40 and I need to be more conscious, more, more conscious of my time. So I give my kids the best of me. I do the very best of myself in everything I do. And I'm proud of myself at the end. I know that's more with it. I'm just saying it. What would 40-year-old Nafisa tell 11-year-old Nafisa in a market somewhere in another country buying skin lightening products? I'll be like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you know, wake up and love yourself because there's so much ahead of you. And if you continue down this road that you are allowing yourself to continue down, you're going to destroy yourself. So don't buy it. Don't buy it because you're going to burn your skin. <sighs> That's what I tell myself. It is the chai lounge after all. So let's talk a little bit about chai. The best accompaniment with chai for you, what would that be? So if I answer this question, yes, I know some people at home that are going to laugh at me. Okay. Because I'll know I'm lying. Okay. So I'm going to be honest because we were talking about the fact that not all the cakes are for everyone. Yes. So I actually don't like tea. Okay. Shocking enough. I like tea, but not the tea everyone drinks. So as young as I remember, I have always loved green tea. My favorite is what I can reach right now, which is jasmine green. And other than that, I love all those herb. Herbal tea is the proper Chinese mix. Really? uh, Pua, everything. Can we just pretend I'm drinking a cup of green tea? Okay, we'll do that. Yeah. So that's my chai. So my perfect accompaniment with chai would be nothing. Okay. Because I'm a person who just loves a cup of tea as a cup of tea. It's very soothing. It's relaxing. I love to have it in a moment when I'm just relaxed. And it gives me so much back. So I would say peace would be the perfect accompaniment. I love that. What's the best cup of chai green tea that you've ever had? I would say it was on business trips to China. I don't think you get better tea than that. I've got amazing tea culture there. Definitely. And for me, it's drinking the tea after the tea journey. Because, you know, unlike us, we just, you know, I'm like very lazy. So if I have to make my own cup of tea, it's literally taking a tea bag, throwing it in the hot water and waiting for it to be ready. Yeah. But... In China, there's actually a culture behind how the tea is made for you. You don't just drink it instantly. It has to stand. You don't drink the first pot. Mm-hmm. You drink the second or third pot. So they they clean the tea to be ready. And I never understood how they discard it, but yes. that's what they do. But when you get the end product, it is so beautiful. So the best green tea I've ever drunk in my life has been during a tea journey that cup at the end. The podcast is called The Chai Lounge because we have the best conversations over hot beverage with the best people. So who's your tribe? Who's your people? When you're sitting with that cup of tea accompanied by peace, who do you love to enjoy your tea with? Living, dead, whoever. (laughs) Who are your people? I'd say one thing first. I am very nervous behind a mic in front of a TV, though... I know people will be very shocked to hear that, given the fact that I've appeared a lot on TV. Because I'm really just being myself here and I'm sharing things with you. And you have the energy and presence that appeals to me. I'd have a cup of tea with you any day. So energy is very important. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I think when you when you eat or drink something, if your feeling about chai is relaxation and peace, your surrounding needs to be that. Can you just imagine having a cup of chai listening to an irritating person? It would be like you just would not taste anything. You would just be drinking because you need to keep your mouth closed. So for me, it would be good company. I generally have my cup of tea in the morning with my helpers. Mm -hmm. If I make it on time, it's my husband and I enjoy my cup of tea. I'm close to my helpers. We are very close. So I enjoy chatting to them in the morning. It's with my daughter. She's at that age where I can speak to her. We have good conversations mm-hmm. some of the time. Sometimes. Um, so when I have a cup of green tea with her, I'm relaxed. I'm enjoying her company and I'm enjoying my tea. And generally I have my tea with my friends. If they visit home or I'm out with them, we all just peacefully drinking our tea and chatting with one another. So energy for me is very important. It's, I pick up yours. You pick up minds, which is why we shouldn't be hanging around negative people. I love that. Nafisa, it's been such an honor having you on my podcast. Uh, It's been a long journey and a long road. You know this personally. And I'm so glad that we got to chat. And uh, having you as one one of my first guests on the Chai Lounge. Thank you so much for giving me your very precious time. And I'm looking forward to us chatting again in the future. Listen, I have goosebumps right now (laughs) with you saying that to me. I do know your journey. I'm so proud of you. Congratulations. You You know, when I saw that your first one came out, I was like, oh my God, I want the second podcast. It meant so much to me. You gifted me with something I can't even explain to you. Thank you. So I wish you only the best and may this grow and grow. And one of the things I love about even your your Q&As is that you touch topics that no one wants to touch. You delve into things no one wants to delve. So keep doing that. And I think this is going to just be amazing. Thank you so much. And that's it for today's episode. Thank you to everybody for joining me on another episode of the Chai Lounge. For advertising inquiries, questions, answers, guest suggestions, anything on your guys' mind, don't forget to drop me an email, safirakaka at gmail.com. Thank you, everybody. I'm looking forward to chatting to you all in the next episode. For now, it's Fiamani La and Assalamu Alaikum Warahmatullahi Wabarakatuh. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.